0: Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart, the podcast where we chat with athletes, coaches and industry professionals about the benefits of being involved in sport beyond performance. is Dr Julia Walsh. Julia takes us on the journey of how she became head national coach of the Australian Boomerangs basketball team, working with the team to achieve an amazing silver medal in 2019's INAS Global Games. Julia shares her coaching experience as well as some invaluable knowledge for up-and-coming coaches and where she sees sport in the future. Welcome, Julia. It's a pleasure to have you here today with us. You are currently in lockdown in Melbourne, the same as me, so it's a great chance to have a chat to you.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm absolutely delighted to catch up with you again and hear your your, um, sporting pathway and um, share a little bit about mine as
0: well. Oh, brilliant. Can you tell us a little bit about your sporting journey?
1: Uh, My sporting journey, what I remember is that at the age of eight, we used to go to a, a holiday program where phys ed graduates were there and we would play sport all day. Now, I don't know what it was that they did, but they planted a seed and that has been my pathway ever since. So probably by the age of 13, 14, I discovered basketball. I had five brothers. were playing sport they were playing basketball and that's what I wanted to do it wasn't uh, quite as easy as that because there were no girls teams at that stage so I had to referee first before I could get a game Um, and then I've been in basketball ever since probably played for a decade and played at a reasonable level and I also found cross-country skiing when I was 19 so I cross-country skied and I skied in Canada and and now really I cycle and I walk so that's my that's my playing experience wow as a coach though I started coaching at age 14 I was the I was the child in the stadium that had so much energy that the convener thought we've got to give us something to do (laughs) so I had I had two under 14 girls teams I used to coach on a Saturday and that was really exciting for me. Like I kept coaching, I kept playing. I was lucky enough to have a mentor that was also a, a national coach, like he's the national women's coach, four-time Olympian himself. And he just took me in and he mentored me. He had me even sitting with him as assistant coach with the equivalent of sort of a national women's team, all that sort of stuff. I I just I had the ideal pathway for coming into coaching. Um, I'm still coaching, and I now coach uh, I, I coach juniors, so I had the under 16 firsts and the whole cohort at Boleyn Templestone Basketball Club. And I love doing that. I love working with young girls, and for many of them, they've never had a female coach. So I think I bring something different to that. and I like to develop their voice and develop their mental skills as well as all of the other skills. And I'm pretty good at managing the parents, so we, <laughs> we 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 do all right out there. And I'm also the national head coach for the Australian Boomerangs Basketball Team for athletes for athletes with intellectual disability. That's that's the men's team. And last October we came off that with the um, uh, silver medal. And uh, I suppose with that sporting journey, it's influenced my career pathway. At the same time, so I became a phys ed teacher, did that for 12 years, but then I kept specializing with my degrees into that coaching area, ending up, you know, several degrees later with a PhD. They really explored leadership and trying to understand what it was these great coaches did. I'm also an owner and director of a professional women's basketball team, so that's sort of my sporting journey, really.
0: Oh, and that's absolutely incredible. I love how you, you know, you still enjoyed the grassroots levels and teaching those girls down at the local level, but then you're also up doing high performance athletes and, and balance between that. Do you find that you have to put different hats on depending on which group you coach?
1: I always go in with uh, a high performance culture. So my expectations are the same when I'm working with under 16s or with under with a with the men's team as to what I expect of myself and what I expect of of my athletes. But regardless of who you're coaching, it's gotta be fun. Yeah. They've got to learn. You know, even if you've got the best athlete in the world, most of them still wanna learn. Um, we forget that. And also I think trying to always get to challenge, game and giving them some autonomy and teaching them about decision making. One of the problems with basketball is the coach is too close to the side of the court. Mm. We can stop the game. We can become the sixth player. So for me, I try to step back from that and think about how the players can problem solve in that space because they're out there. So they need to be given time. They need to be given some space when they make mistakes. As long as I make it 10 times, then there's Mm -hmm. something wrong with the learning. But if they make a mistake, they've got to go back out there and solve that and not make that same mistake the next time. If I keep pulling them off the court or if I keep intervening, they don't learn how to solve that problem. Yeah. So, yeah, so different levels, different needs, but I think there's really some common things that sit in there that you should never forget when you're coaching and look, you're going to really love your athletes. Yeah. Taken in that. If you don't like them, if you're not working with them and you don't believe in them, you don't have to say a word for them to know that Mm -hmm. they know if you don't believe them, trust them um, are going to play them. They, they can pick that up. Our body language does not hide anything.
0: Yeah. Oh, that is so true. And I know as a swimmer myself, I've had brilliant coaches, but I've also had coaches that might've been having bad days or bad weeks. And you could tell, and you're like, oh, did I do something wrong? Like, why don't you like me today? And you know, that affected my performance. So yeah, that's, that's a really good point.
1: And I think you make a very interesting point there, particularly with juniors, that um, when, as adults, if we don't communicate, and explain what's happened and where we've gone to, because it's easier just to say nothing. Young athletes think you don't like them, Mm. rather than something else has happened there. So I would always advocate, and in coach education, I would advocate that things will go wrong in training. Things will go wrong in games. You need to have multiple communication bridges. So I need to know about you. I need to know that you got a dog. I need to know that your favourite television show is this. I need to know where you're heading or I need to know what's happening at school. So when we're still trying to repair that stuff, I can still keep a communication bridge open and talking to you so you know it's not to do with you personally. Yeah. Keep it open. Keep it things. And some days, you spoke about coming in, the coach is having a bad day. Sometimes you've got to walk into your group and you've got to look at them and you say, I'm having a bad day. (laughs) Whatever happens today, I'm going to try and manage myself here, but it's nothing to do with you. But I encourage them to tell me they've had a bad day Yeah, because I don't want to look at them because the communication gets screwed up when all those things are in there. So we try and be honest with where we're at.
0: Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And that's something that I'm going to try and implement in my daily life. If I walk into anywhere and I'm not having a good day, I'll just let them know, like, nothing personal. I've walked in in a bad mood. So I'm sorry if I'm not my, you know, my usual self.
1: Yeah, yeah. And they, you know what? They get it. And here's my other thing, though, is I would always expect my athletes to measure what they brought to training. Uh-huh. So at the end of training... On a one to 10, I want you to be honest with me as to, what did you bring to training? It's really talking about what energy, mind, energy, whatever they brought to training. And they get to be very honest with that and probably pretty hard on themselves. Mm. But when they're up, they'll say, look, I gave an eight out of 10. That's great feedback. And that's really teaching them how to manage themselves.
0: Yeah. And it teaches them a bit of self-reflection as well.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I think as coaches, we've got to do all of that, not just go out and run the X's and O's or the, you know, what it is to swim. It's what it is to be people, mm-hmm. what it is to come to something and bring yourself and be able to measure yourself and what you're bringing to that environment and what you need to do to improve. That's where I've got to with my coaching anyway, with what I think is important for them.
0: Absolutely amazing insight. So you've obviously learnt this through years of experience, but what benefit has sport provided you as an individual?
1: Um, benefits, look, as I said, I was an active child. So to have something positive to put that energy into was really important. And, you know, I'd spend my money on lay-buying a baseball bat or something like that or, or runners or something. That's where my money went so I could just go and play physical activities. So the other thing is I think it connects you with your friends because often you go and you join sport because your friend's doing it or you want to do it so you grab a friend and you take them along. And that that's your social group. I just have to turn up to a training session and watch all the chatter that's going on beforehand. That's probably for them that the 10 most important minutes of their session is, yeah. is that catching up with everyone. I also, I really like the puzzle of learning new skills and having to problem solve and doing that and you know, seeing something and how do how can I get my body to do that to be able to, to be able to play. And I know for me that was as a child. I like to watch, have a go, and then I like to get outside by myself and really work on technical. I liked the technical for me. So that's they're the things that have been really beneficial for me. And yes, great journey.
0: Yeah. And I can definitely resonate with the team environment. I know I did an individual sport. But we would all rock up 15 minutes early and stretch together and chat together. And sometimes that was my favourite part of the session. Yeah. And, you know, when I was studying, sometimes I'd go to the, four, you know, 4.30am swimming before uni just to see my friends.
1: Yeah. yeah, That's, And we just forget that. We forget that all these kids that have turned up, that might be what's really or is really important. We know that for kids, that is the number one thing affiliation being with their friends the next thing is it's got to be fun and then third comes confidence winning comes way down the line yeah if they're talking winning i would be looking at those big people that are related to them that are sitting up there in the stands. that's probably where the winning is coming from rather than the kids themselves
0: yeah well i've always thought there's we they were actually coaching the parents as well as the children like they're both kind of our focus is on the children but we've got to manage the parents to be able to focus on the kids
1: yeah and and that's i reckon that's really tough for young coaches mm-hmm. and i i would spend quite a bit of time on telling them what strategies that they can put in place and clubs what strategies they should put in place with young coaches so young coaches should really have the best manager that they can have to put a buffer between here's some strategies and actually here's what parents need to know often we leave them we don't tell them where we're going Mm. we don't give them a catch-up of where they're going often the times we meet with them is a confrontation because they're behaving badly but if we can actually change that around as you said, the education and work that education with, with those parents so that they're on side
0: mm-hmm.
1: rather than a pain in the side. And
0: it's a lot easier to do your job when they're on your team and letting you do what you need to do.
1: That's right. That's right. And my other tip would also be always at the end of your training or your competition is to give your players some ammunition so when they're caught in the car catch after the game locked in a car with their parents that when their parents say something I've given them them some ammunition that says actually the coach said this Mm. or no the coach said this or the coach said this so they can actually you know swat it back at the parents yeah yeah that's the that's the problem and (laughs) I want parents if you if you do that in the car, if you're doing that in the car, um, I can't coach your child. Mm. You've got to you've just gotta love your kid.
0: With my parents, they never gave me the, the car speech. Um, I always got the, "Well, he did really well." I'm like, "Mom, did you see that?"
1: <laughs> um, but that's all right. So it's um, it is managing all of those things that are happening.
0: Yeah. In that space. That's the struggle. <laughs> so you 've given us a lot of little gems. Is there a big lesson that you 've learnt along the way that you want to share, either personally or as as a coach?
1: Uh, look, I think lessons from everywhere um, the lesson I think sport for me the discipline understanding that that it requires discipline you 've got to invest in learning
0: mm.
1: okay, you can 't expect to just have it all. I think one of the big ones is you've actually got to learn to win and winning is hard and that I think some people just think the better team wins like they think very globally about that but I actually think that to win by a point you have to have been 10 percent 20 percent better than the other team yeah so you have to learn those things And whether that's in life or whatever, a win isn't a one point win. There's a whole lot of other things that got you to that point. And I think for me, that importance of the mental part of the game and the relational side of the game, I think we get caught up when we're starting and you can't can't sort of take any shortcuts, but you do get caught up in, you think the sport is what it's all about, Mm -hmm. but actually the people is what it's all about. And that belief in people, that growth in people, the being able to watch and and, and find their abilities, mm-hmm. help them find and discover and grow them and work with them I think they're my, they're my big learnings out of sport.
0: Oh that is amazing and that's you know sits with me and I probably absorbed a little bit of that while at uni learning under you that you know you're developing the whole person, not just an athlete. You're, you've got the you know, opportunity to influence someone's life for the better. And it's an, an amazing opportunity and an amazing responsibility that we as coaches have.
1: It's a privilege to coach. Yeah. It's actually a privilege to coach. And with that comes a whole lot of responsibilities. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> no, it is. And in reality... Very few of us end up with the Olympic athlete in our junior team.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, but we, we have kids that are from every pathway. And I always say to people I work with, look down your bench. When I look down my bench of players, maybe once in 10 years I've got someone who's going to be an Olympian. And I, ha- I coach enough, more than most to probably maybe get exposed to that, yeah. right? But I've probably got another few there that might make, might be really good basketball players and will play it for a long period of time. I've got my next generation of club members who will come with their own kids. I've got my next lot of administrators there and I've got my next coaches there. So when I look down my bench, I've got to look at them with uh, more than one lens mm-hmm. to see what their potential is and what they might do, and it's not about me working with uh, chess pieces. It's other things that I'm working with. I, you know, I've got to grow these people. So that's, yeah. I'm getting on my bandwagon here
0: no go go for it like say say it all because that's exactly what I look at is this child might not be the next Olympian but they could make an amazing swim teacher or they could make an amazing coach or even at the end of the day they could love this sport so much that they'll put their kids in it
1: Mm mm-hmm yeah and that's and yeah so it's it's much bigger than what we think it is
0: mm-hmm.
1: but we need to get to a certain point i think where we start to see that and that's not always when we start coaching
0: no education and i know you know you're an amazing educator and teacher and a mentor to a lot of young coaches in different sports out there especially basketball but if we can teach the grassroots coaches that they have a responsibility to see beyond the just performance side then we could start seeing sport change for the better
1: yeah I think so I think and sometimes it's the first time they ever thought about it when you present it to them it's just mm. like people don't need to fall into things we can help them on that journey
0: so I know you're coaching the, you're the head coach of the boomerangs team which is An amazing achievement in itself, and an amazing opportunity to work with different athletes. Is there another project where you have used sport to develop the community?
1: That's a really interesting question, Fiona. Because once again, if I go back to probably what I was just speaking about, looking down the bench, I would think that every team I coach, I'm, I'm hoping that I'm. Contributing towards better citizens. So it's not contained to just projects that are there to develop within within the community. I think you've got to see it at all points and at all opportunity that your job is about citizenship. And you look, you just have to read when you start to read about coaches and those great coaches, that's what the stories that come out. The stories often are not the stories about the winning 10 whatever the stories are about, how they developed these people and how these people are now working in their communities and and doing similar things. So I think it's, to me, it's like there are projects out there that are specifically designed to get certain groups in and that I typically haven't been involved in those and look, at, it's managing the time and energy as to where where I'm working. But that's just part of my everyday practice that we we would be doing that and preparing and working to have uh, better citizens out there through sport, rather than just thinking it is sport.
0: Yeah, that's it's our platform. Yes, that's amazing. And even you know, as as you're teaching, you are educating the next generation of coaches so you've got the kids you're coaching as well as educating coaches and you've had it probably have a big impact think about how many kids have gone through you in the last 10 years even and Mm. that's yeah that's amazing you're helping these citizens
1: that's right you're sort of just saying what you've got you got to think about what fingerprints you're leaving what are the fingerprints and then what what's the stretch of those fingerprints and you know there's been a couple of times where i've I've looked at players, and I've been really disappointed, and and I've reflected hard on that. About did I have them long enough? Did I did I pick this up? Did I this that and the other? Because I I, I take it personally that I didn't do my job. Mm. If that's how they're behaving, and that's what they're doing out there. Well, maybe sometimes a bit, you know, a bit like a good bottle of wine, Fiona, you've got to put it down for a few years and then after that it tastes all right. So it's just yeah. like, <laughs> it's, yeah, sometimes you've got to wait for and think, well, if, that, if we had good values, that they'll surface at some point.
0: Yeah, and I've always said in my, like I've never coached a high-performance team, but if I ever got a national-level athlete to nationals and they were a bad person, I'd be really disappointed in myself. And that would be great for them that they got there. But as a coach myself, that I would consider that as a failure.
1: Yeah. And I'm I'm exactly the same.
0: Yeah. yeah. And that, well that's good. We need we need all coaches to think like that rather than the performance side. We need them, the human side.
1: Yeah. The great athletes. The ones that are remembered the great athletes. Or, or I would say, go and look at the statues. When you look at the statues or you look at those stories, it's often nothing to do with the winning. I was watching a running race on television the other night where it must have been quite a distance. I'm not sure what it was or a triathlon or something. But an athlete went the wrong way. Oh, no. And it was just before the end line. And the player that was coming, the athlete that was coming third slowed down to let the other player, the other athlete, get his rightful position of second running through. Oh, wow. Now, that, yeah, that moment gets remembered. I yeah. think was it Landy picked up, you know, there's examples in, in the Olympics or someone, you know, an athlete picking somebody else up and still winning the race, you know they're the moments Mm. not the not the not the person who was the winningness sort of person it will always be reflected on 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 human behaviors
0: yeah the good sports out there that may have sacrificed their result but they helped another person who they thought deserved it more
1: yeah or they've they've done it and they've still been successful but they've they knew what was right what was right to do
0: yeah that's that's amazing that's exactly the responsibility of the coach and the family and the values that we've instilled all those years of training mm. and growing yeah mm. we're saying that where do you see the future of sport
1: well it's an interesting point in time with covert
0: mm-hmm.
1: right because i think that like i've run a program and tried to keep fifty, fourteen, and fifteen year old girls connected online, doing training every week. We're actually doing um goal setting boot camp at the moment and we're doing all sorts of things, fun things that have run to Western Australia and back and oh like and, and the families have joined in. So we've done a range of things to try and keep them together and keep them motivated and and somebody said to me but that doesn't equal performance as in they'll be better I said I don't care if I have kept these kids in physical activity and for the health outcomes in the future and their pathway and whatever I said, I've done my job mm-hmm. that's all right so it wasn't it wasn't ever about this it was about keeping them healthy but in saying that just with COVID I think that People have had time to stop, maybe a little too long, but they've had time to stop. They've, they've had to do things differently.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They're out there walking. They're doing things as a family. They're doing things that don't cost much. Mm-hmm. So I think that for some, for a lot of people, it is the first time they've had the opportunity to step off the competition wheel. hmm I think there'll be some financial issues too. Yeah. Like, and there might be choices. So let's just play in the domestic sport rather than the high performance pathways. As a family, do we want to be constrained by sport every weekend, or do we want to look at some other activities that we might do as a family? when we want to do, and that, or maybe as a family, we we run, we go and do a yoga, we go and do this, that and the other. So I think there will be some changes in the type of activity and the type of reasons behind why people want to do something. And it just might be we'd never thought about it. Mm -hmm. And our family time and what we'd like to do as a family has changed. Um, Having said that, I think that technology has really changed over this time Uh, and i think technology apart from zoom and all of those type of technologies i think that technology continues to influence the sport experience yeah whether it's the sport experience from being a participant being a coach to being a spectator like i like every morning i i get on my exercise bike and i go for a pretty hard ride but I've, I've watched the women's national basketball association for the full season followed two teams and i watch a half sometimes the halves are really long if it's a close game so i can ride anywhere between 20 and 30 kilometers <laughs> but um but watching the technology of you know people tapping in tap tap this that and the other stuff so getting it really interactive even when all we've got is our iPads and television to watch so Mm -hmm. sports are really working hard to capture those eyeballs yeah and the eyeballs mean money and all sorts of things always follow the silk road but so I think we'll we'll have that growth in technology which will change the experience as well so they're the two big ones I think at the moment for me is that families will think about sport and what they really want to do and then technology will change the experience of sport for us, and I think change that experience at a at a, um, a number of levels. Like I, I've got a set of Blaze pods. I'm, I've used them a couple of times, but I would imagine you know people have got them in their house and they're tapping and they're doing and they're doing the push ups, one hand here, one hand here, tapping, do a, doing a whole range of things. So it's just opening the door to things that we haven't had the opportunity to do by ourselves that have been cost efficient.
0: Yeah, and it's probably. Like in a regional setting, it probably opens up more
1: opportunities
0: for more kids.
1: With technology.
0: Yeah, they've got access to more things that they wouldn't have usually had.
1: Yeah. Well, even as a coach, when I'm running a session, typically I have about 30 turn up on a Sunday morning. They have all got a basket. I do not have 30 baskets at a basketball court.
0: Yeah.
1: All right? They have all got managed something that looks like a comb, Mm -hmm. whether it's an old pair of shoes. They bring a chair, they bring this, they bring that. And it doesn't matter where they are at this point in time, we can run our training sessions Mm. differently because there's no contact, there's no game as in three by three or whatever. But the technology, just the Zoom itself and mostly pretty good quality, allows you to just get reach. And I will use this for individuals now mm-hmm. rather than thinking I have to. I'll be able to run an individual every night for a different player, for a different player with me standing here, yeah. not having to drive somewhere on a court, do this, that and the other. Nah, we'll do it. I think that's the other thing that's happened with technology too is that the change in relationship because... When I started doing this, it had to be a partnership with the athletes. Mm -hmm. What's working? What's not working? What do we need to do here? And then that relationship of them asking more questions because if they didn't see it or didn't understand it, they needed to ask. And I've actually spent time designing algorithms for dribbling and handle moves and sharing the language with them so that I can send them an algorithm that they can read, get the timing and the rhythm in that algorithm to be able to do in their own time. Wow. So it's sort of like, been interesting using technology has just forced you to think differently and put things together differently to be able to communicate the message and get it across to them.
0: And it links back to what you said earlier. Now, by having to explain that to them, they've got responsibility and accountability that they need to read that algorithm. And now they know how to. So it has actually allowed us to up level where we're coaching from.
1: Creative. Yes. Well, we had to be creative. We had to problem solve and be creative. And there are some, and, and we need to be kind here because for some people, um, that would be very difficult. For some coaches, that would be very difficult. I'm not working full time, you know. I, I don't have that many other responsibilities. So for me to invest and do all of this, I can do it. But for someone else it could be just such a struggle. Hmm. So in in looking at this, as I said, we just have to be kind and understand people who over this time will have been under different pressures for for doing And engaging people
0: yeah I heard something a few weeks ago and it was relating to COVID where we're all in the same storm but we've got different ships and that's exactly you know we're all in different situations
1: Mm, mm, yeah so I think it's um yeah that just that that's my message we just need to be need to be kind need to be considerate understand people will be on their different ships and and how do we at least get them out of the storm on their ships and then start looking at what we do yeah I like that I'll I'll use that Fiona thank
0: you (laughs) you can use it I can't remember where I heard it but been spreading it around (laughs) so is there anything else you'd like to share or give us a bit of insight into or where you're heading next
1: well, I've got another world in 223. So, for that, uh, we're starting the planning for that now. So, we're running with our training. So, that's important. Um, research wise, I'm still always interested in women in sport, but I'm kind I'm of interested in that concept where I listen to people talk about sport and they talk about a player that brings energy. Mm. And I'm thinking, what is this? We need to decode it a little bit more as to what. Is it what causes it? Is it like we just, we use it loosely. Mm-hmm. We can see it, mm-hmm. but is it, can we decode it? And then can we teach it? So it's that sort of thing that I'm playing playing with as to, you know.
0: It's that spark that you can see in kids and you're like, whoa, like without them, the team's not the same.
1: That's, that's it. So what what is it that you're looking for? And then like if you're recruiting, what? How are you looking for that? What is it? Yeah. Or can you can you teach it? Can you? And I always think about, yeah, what what energy do you bring to a session and and, and what you know, what brings you up a level? So that's that's my playground at the moment. It's my sandpit that I'm I'm working in. Just trying to understand what is energy? And yeah, how can I use that one? And other than that, really, uh, they're enough for me at the moment. They're enough. Um, And anyone, like my coaching keeps me occupied. I'll do some more mentoring with coaches and see what I get from that and and how I can work with that. Oh, that's amazing. That's me in a nutshell. That sounds
0: amazing. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wealth of knowledge and insights into sport with us.
1: Fiona, absolute pleasure. And it's just so great to see you. You've used the degree, used your sport experience and look where you are and creating podcasts, uh, fantastic. I'm just uh, just delighted to always see our students out there and changing the world. So keep changing it, Fiona.
0: Thank you. I'm lucky to have had you for three years um, in my uni degree. So thank you for being a little bit of a spark in my development.
1: Uh, absolute pleasure.
0: Thank you for listening to Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. If you'd like to be on the show, please send us a message. We would love to hear from you. Until next time.